Hello everyone, welcome to the episode 22 of Soul Lead Saturday. The guest we have today, Brian O'Neill. He took his education in music and he has his own music group, Orchestrotica. And along with that, actually, currently he is a founder of a consulting firm, which helps organizations to getting into the designing of data analytics and ML space. So let's hear his career journey. How did he manage to keep his balance and, you know, keep pursuing his interest as well as have the good career as well. So let's hear his career journey and how he is managing to be the leader in, the, in one of the areas he is passionate about. So welcome, Brian. And yeah, thanks very really happy to have you on this podcast. Because yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah, and I can truly see your interest actually by the way you have your background with lots of musical instruments yeah. and other things. So <laughs> I can truly see that how do you manage yourself, keep up to date with your interest as well as your professional career. Sure. So thank you so much for being my guest. Yeah. And to start with, yeah, we are going to start with your like, you know, when I saw your career profile, it was basically uh, you took your education in the music actually. Uh, mm-hmm. It is not aligned to what you do right now. So. Mm-hmm. How did you like? You know, when did it start? Like, when did you find that you you would like to get into this space as well, and uh, you will would like to keep the balance between both the things? Sure. So, yeah. So to to kind of give an overview, just of you know what what my career is, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, I work professionally as both a musician, and I work professionally as a consultant, and, and in the form of uh, the company I run, which is called called Designing for Analytics. And as you said, that's a human-centered design consultancy, and I specialize in data products. So um, try, my mission there is to help pe- data strategists and, and technical product managers, people who are ex, uh, experts at working with the, the mathematical part and the technical part of data and ensuring that in the last mile, mm-hmm. people, when these are hum- developing human-in-the-loop uh, software applications in particular, people can actually get value out of these tools, applications, products, and things that we're making. Uh, there's a high failure rate uh, in the industry in terms of being actually able to produce analytical decision support uh, that people can say, oh, yes, this helps me make a decision and I know what to do next. Uh, a lot of the times it falls flat. People are like, what do I do with this? I don't know what to make of this. Like, bunch of charts. Like, mm-hmm. Now what? And the data scientist is scratching her head like, I did, you know, I gave you what you asked for. You asked for a forecast model and this is it. They don't know what a p-value is. And it's just, you, you've, maybe you've heard about this before. So, so my mission is really to help close that last, what I call the last mile gap and, and mm-hmm. through human-centered design. So that's that piece. And then the music piece, as you said, I went to school for percussion studies. So mm-hmm. I, I'm, I, and I work at home out of my studio. Both, both of my careers uh, work from the same desk. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, oftentimes when I'm, when I'm in designing for analytics mode, you know, orange is in my brand. So often I have my like orange backdrop here, but I thought for this show, since you, you were interested in, in Brian, not so much just my consulting work. I thought I would just show people like, what this is where I work. <laughs> this is my office. So, um, but so how did I get into this? Um, so I, as you said, I went to, uh, I have a degree in percussion studies and, uh, and actually I got into a web design early in the late, uh, mid, mid to late nineties. Oh. Uh, out in Arizona, and mm-hmm. yeah, and it's funny how I got this job because my my design work and music work has kind of like you know interweaving like this all the time. <laughs> I'm meeting music people in the design world and other designers and technologists okay. that play music, and on and on and on. It's kind of the, these two paths of 
always wound together. And I got my first job. I was playing. I was a principal percussionist in Flagstaff Symphony, which is up near the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had just uh, contracted with a small agency in, in uh, Flagstaff, where I went to school, uh, to get a, their first marketing website done. And so the conductor knew I had been interested in, and just kind of this thing called the internet. <laughs> and uh, I forgot how we got talking, but long story short, he introduced me to the the uh, founders of that company, and I began apprenticing there in the summer. So I playing with some summer orchestras and was able to stay in Flagstaff and, and kind of like mm-hmm. just start a little career there on the side. So I apprenticed and learned how to write HTML and Cold Fusion and Photoshop. And at the time, you know, web designers, you kind of did everything. You did some code and you did some, mm-hmm. you know, oh, whatever, you know. So, so that's kind of how that started. And so by the time I left college with my music degree, degree I had been doing some little consulting projects mm-hmm. on the side and just mostly website design uh, and this kind of thing and uh, so when I when I left uh, Flagstaff Arizona uh, to move to Boston where I live now I live in Cambridge kind of near about a mile from Harvard um, I uh, wasn't sure what I was going to do when I landed and so uh, I started looking to see what opportunities were here and uh, I as it turns out uh, uh, an old roommate, uh, an old high school friend of mine was going to MIT to get a master's. We were the same age. So he was finishing up at the Naval Academy at the same time I had graduated. And he's like, I'm moving to Cambridge. And, and I'm like, wow, who are you living with? He's like, I don't know. And I said, yeah. well, I don't know what I'm doing. So do you need a roommate? He's like, sure. And so that was how I, it was really a very off the cuff decision because I didn't really know, you know, you get this music piece of paper and a music degree on paper with the exception of like teaching at a collegiate level is, is a very kind of worthless degree. It doesn't, it's not a free ticket into your first job or something like that. No one cares. Mm-hmm. No one asks, no one has ever seen my degree and they will never ask me that at a gig. Cause it's, it's very irrelevant to kind of the way professional music works. Like they don't care how you are on paper. It just doesn't matter. So, so at any rate, um, I decided to, it was a good spot because Boston had a great music career. And so I, I ended up out here living with, uh, with my old high school buddy for a couple of years. And uh, I jumped into the music scene and the tech scene. So I was fortunate to be in the middle of the dot-com boom and uh, got hired by a startup over the phone. Never met anyone, but like, you know, I had a full-time job and I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, work during the day and then I'll start gigging at night and try to like jump into the music scene. And that's kind of how it started. So that was a tech startup. If you remember like Ziff Davis, ZDNet, and uh, any of these brands from like the late 90s, it was a spinoff of ZDNet called Smart Planet. Uh, and then I went to Lycos, which was one of the big search engines in the late 90s that competed with Yahoo and AltaVista. Uh, and then from there, I got into business software. Uh, I started working on Lycos's financial services arm uh, because I wasn't trained at classical as a classical designer. And, but I did understand, I was very technical for a designer, so I always was able to interface well with mm-hmm. engineers and developers. And so I kind of found a niche in, in the kind of the boring um, financial services uh, products, mm-hmm. the trading platforms and some of this stuff that most of the other designers didn't have any interest in. So that, that kind of became my niche was financial services for a while. And then that kind of spawned into analytics because you get into when I worked at Fidelity and JP Morgan and started working on trading systems and software, now you're getting into analytics and, you know, doing stock research and all of this. That was kind of my first dive into the analytical space, uh, which then introduced me to kind of my whole analytics work. And and when when I finally went independent in 2006, 
I just had a large community of people that had worked in financial services and technical, what I call technical data products in general. And so that just kind of became this little niche that I started working in. And, and so I decided to really focus my consulting as a designer in this, uh, this analytics space instead of kind of being a, a generalist. And, and that was fun. You know, I'd done a lot of startup work and, and, and met a lot of different people in Boston. There's a great uh, digital community here. Uh, but but that's that's kind of how I went on that, and and at nighttime I was building my music career, and and uh, back in 2006 when I went independent, I just decided I needed more time to to work on my music and on on my uh, my design uh, consulting work, and so it, that enabled me to finally take on some of the projects like Mr. Ho's Orchestratica, this group mm-hmm. that I run, uh, making records, and then just really getting more deeply ingrained with the the music community here in Boston, so. Uh, so now I just I have my kind of two careers and and uh, I play with orchestras and some of the Broadway touring type shows that come into town or that are produced here in Boston. I play in the pit orchestras with those and I do some touring w- with a couple. I'm in a klezmer band and I have an Irish Celtic project that I play in. So I do a bunch of different things there and try to find the balance. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. definitely, actually, you're truly leading actually both the spaces. But but still, I one thing I find common in between both the areas is like you know in the design space or in the music industry, you have to be creative actually. So mm-hmm. I think that is something a common connect between these mm-hmm. two uh, passions that you pursue. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you have to choose, what do you enjoy the most, like music or your? Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I've been a music my, musician my whole life, so. There's definitely a, and that's my six-week-year-old son that you're hearing maybe in the background. <laughs> so we're all dealing with, with coronavirus. We're all getting exposed to our families. But I have a six, six-week-year-old six son as well, so that's new. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, don't, I don't look at it that way because I, I, you know, I used to very much try to, like, I hid my design life from my music friends and I hid my music life from my professional career you know like both of them are professional but I've kind of stopped doing that and just kind of embraced that like it's a it's one person one thing and it's not that I love one more than the other I've learned there you know I get exposed to two very different audiences and groups of people and both of those have been really positive impacts on my life especially now in the analytics stuff just uh, the scientists that I've met the technologists and people that have really fascinating backgrounds and abilities mm-hmm. um, right now. It's it's just amazing what's possible with technology there. And then it's great to be involved with artists who are questioning why we're doing all this stuff and, <laughs> and is this the right thing to do? And what does it mean to live in a world with all this kind of technology? So mm-hmm. for me, it, it feels like a really good balance because I can relate to both mm-hmm. sides of that from like a human experience. And so I don't really have one that I like more than the other you know I, I really enjoy doing both uh, both both things even though my roots are in in, in music I mean I guess that's my calling that's but actually struggle but that's great that you have that you know uh, passion and you keep that continue growing sure. in both areas mm-hmm. and uh, the way I see it like uh, for your music also your designing space is going to help you to mm-hmm. you know the way you constructed your website or something to reach out to the people or the music industry as well it is moreover like a uh, kind of going to uh, balance in between uh, mm-hmm. both the professions where you can just have the merging of both and you know come up with something creative actually so mm-hmm. uh, that is definitely i can see um, 
moving towards your passion again actually as you already say say that you know you try to keep both the interests going actually parallelly so you mm-hmm. try to find the time and everything but mm-hmm. if there are people who are struggling to pursue that passion what are the important steps actually person has to take first is like always you have to proactive and find the time if you are interested in something which is like very important stage where people always complain not having time or something like that sure. uh but uh what other steps do you think that person has to take to pursue the passion well i i think i think part of it is you have to decide like you know what when you talk about the passion you know are you are you talking about do i want to make a career out of this you know those no, aren't passion, the st- passion is not always like you know uh, where you deal with growing in a career specifically uh-huh. it is more over like uh you can have more than one passion but it is mm-hmm. just finding out the balance and finding out the time some of the passions can convert into the career choices but mm-hmm. some of those might not might not give you that financial like you know uh, returns or something like that mm-hmm. but still people continue to manage that because they find that pleasure or the happiness uh doing that so mm-hmm. um anything specific that you would like to mention when it comes to pursuing that kind of an interest well i think there's there's a couple things right there's do mm-hmm. i know what my passion is which is a different question than like i know what i want to do and i don't have time to do it and and the reality is is i'm going to i'm casting a generalization we make time for what's important mm-hmm. right so the question is what do you what are you willing to give up to mm-hmm. go spend time on this passion if that's what it takes it, you really need to know how you're spending your time mm-hmm. and decide like how much tv are you watching or how much you know how much commute are you doing well maybe you need to live cheaper move closer to town and get 2 hours of your life back which is 10 hours a week of commuting time which you could then put into your interest and and but i i you know a lot of change is hard it's like yeah we should all go to the gym more right it, it yeah. changes difficult so it's what kind of life do you want to have mm. and you know if it's a career kind of thing i think you have to ask, you know people ask me about getting into consulting and mm-hmm. and it's like well Do you wake up and roll out of bed and say I I'm excited to go 2 feet to my desk or whatever and work on this every day am I driven to go do that no one's going to tell you what you know when you're running your own business like in my case no one tells me what to do yeah so I don't have a boss but it also means no one's saying meet these requirements check these boxes then you get a grade then you get a whatever nope mm-hmm. it's just a big open canvas and you have to decide what you're going to make out of that canvas and that's a gift if you have the time and the resources to do that it's a gift so yeah. if you're thinking about going independent for example you know one thing i would tell people is and these aren't all my ideas are all things that i've heard in my journey but you know like how wealthy like if you're a technologist for example you know most technology people are are making very good money compared to a lot of people that are out there so mm-hmm. how meagerly can you live for a while to yeah. save money so that you can quit that day job and pursue your passion and it doesn't need to be a hard quit it can be a dovetail thing where maybe at night you're slowly building up this business and then you're going to drop the hammer and say I'm leaving my job but you've saved up a lot of money to give yourself a runway so that you can start to develop this new business or passion or whatever the heck the thing is that you're going to do you can plan those things out um I would say too to younger audience you know if your audience is 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 skewing you know late college and early career kind of thing you know it's trying a lot of stuff i i think i think 
and, and I can't remember where I read this and so I'm not, I can't cite it exactly, but someone was kind of saying like, your passion will find you through your, you trying out and sampling lots of different things. It's not so much like you start with the passion and then that's what's going to define your life because you might find out like, you know, and I've seen this happen with musicians. Like, I don't want to do this for a This sucks. I hate driving like far to play a crappy gig and then they don't pay us or whatever, whatever the thing is. It's not the same thing as it was in school where I just showed up and there's a stage and like we we're we're here to play the music and we, but you don't think about like, how do I like negotiate a contract and how do I get more gigs and how do I do all this other stuff that has nothing to do with like playing the vibraphone here or whatever it has nothing to do with playing the instrument part. Mm -hmm. There's a career there and this is true for any business, right? There's doing the work, but then there's getting the business so you can do the work that that was your original passion. Do yeah. you want to do all that kind of extra stuff that isn't the doing the work part? So someone once said, kind of put this in the words of, there's working in your business and there's working on your business. And if you're spending all your time working in it, you're not really growing it because you're just going to work on it. And then when the project ends, it's like everything drops out and it's like, now what do I do? There's no pipeline. There's no any, there's no leads coming. You're just like, what's happening? So you have to be working in it and working on it. And, and this is a big kind of way I, I separate my time out. And, and if anything, like even with the ensemble I run, I spend a lot more time working on Mr. Ho's orchestratica than I do working in it, which means playing the vibes, writing the music, going to rehearsals, going on tour. The act that stuff is like ten to twenty percent of mm. what it takes to to be a leader and to run that. For my guys, it's more like eighty percent of their time commitment is really showing up to play and being, mm -hmm. you know, being in a supportive capacity because I run all the business part of it. So that's not for everybody. Not everybody want. Not every musician wants to do that, and mm. and that's that's fine. But I had a mission, and I had a, a I had something to state as an artist that I wanted to get my my different weird thing out there, and I'm willing to do that work. And it, it's not right for everybody, you know. Yeah. So that this is like a couple <laughs> of very important points that you mentioned. It is like you know, like be an explorer or work hard towards whatever, like. If you want to pursue something, actually, it is so much goes uh, under you, like what you want to do, uh, mm -hmm. how much time you want to spend, how you want to do the effective time management. As you mentioned, a couple of things like, you know, uh, avoid your commute. If something that you want to pursue is like, you know, not giving you the time, finding out and doing the effective time management to pursue that passion. Mm -hmm. Very, very important. And finding out the ways around actually looking into the people, what they are doing. It's very important to be an explorer. So, which is very valid point you mentioned, actually, if you mm -hmm. are an explorer, definitely you can find out what you are looking for mm -hmm. and you definitely manage to be one. Like, you know, so <laughs> you could no start bit. Yeah, it's, you can start stuff late too. You know, yeah. some people yeah. talk yeah. about, oh, it's too late for me, and I, I've been at this company for twenty five years, or I've been a what a software engineer for. It's really not. There are people that completely stop and change. I mean, two of my I run this Celtic. I was telling you this Celtic band, and it's it's led by uh, a couple. One of them was the one of the original singers in the Irish Tenors, the three Irish Tenors, which is a touring group in the last ten or twenty years ago. And his wife was a fiddler and they met on, I think, playing river dance on tour or something like this. Well, they still, they have their new project, Ishna, that I play in. Mm -hmm. But they also now run a, uh, a shared kitchen space for mm -hmm. like food trucks and, and um, 
uh, chefs and people working on food products and food services who don't need a permanent building, but they need a commercial grade kitchen to either get their truck ready, get ready for weddings, to do you know fancy custom one-off meal corporate events or whatever. And so they've created, they found a need for that and they run that business. And they're, they're like, you know, probably between 40 and 60 years old, like me, and they're starting a new thing and they're both trained in music and, and, but that's their other thing that they're doing now. And it's not too late to like decide you want to try something else, but it it does mean you have to embrace some risk. And and so with all reward, right there, there, the more risk you take on, the more reward there is there. So you have to decide like, a steady paycheck gets very convenient, but I like to remind people too, as much as I think companies try to protect their W-2 employees the most, most W-2 employees are not working with a contract. It's employment at will, and you could get fired anytime. So while you're probably higher in the list than, than a contractor or a consultant is, just remember, like, there's really not a guarantee there anyways. So why not live a little bit like I'm going to protect my downside risk a little bit, I'm going to save money, to make, not just for the rainy day fund, but maybe also in case this isn't the right life. Mm-hmm. I'm not stuck here. I'm not living at 95% of my expenses all the time. I'm living within my means, but I, I have the, when it's time to go, I'm not going to be stuck here. I mean, there's nothing worse than feeling like you go to a job every day and you're not appreciated. It's not the right fit. I, I feel bad for anyone that doesn't have the choice to do that. So if you if you're in a professional uh, situation where you're making a, a relatively good income that's much beyond what you really need to live, there's no reason not to be spending some money on that and then making the time for what's important. Yeah. I, you know, I, most of the time when I hear this, it's like when I look at someone that's saying this, it's like, I don't know. Like, it seems like there's a lot of stuff you could make time for if you really wanted to, but it's like there's 24 hours in a day and you got to decide, like, how much time are you going to spend watching TV or whatever the thing is that you're, you know, there's a lot of time in the day. It's just, how are you going to use it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. A couple of my prior guests also mentioned that actually, if you want to pursue something like, you know, you have to reduce your watch time. Like you mentioned a couple of points, which is like, have the lesser commute, like people who have the reading habit, it is fine, but people who don't enjoy reading or something, and they are interested in more, more like other areas, actually, they have to find the place where, which, which has the less commute and, Yep. Have time management to pursue what they are interested in. Yep. So thank you so much for sharing that. Actually, yep. it is very insightful for the people actually who are going to listen to it because a mm-hmm. lot of time I I have seen in my career journey as well. A lot of time people complaining around my profession as well. You know, um, I wanted to do this, but I can't do this. That kind of situation where you get into your thirties, forties, and fifties, and then you are talking about it, but still it is not too late. If you want mm-hmm. to pursue something, you have to find time anyhow, even though you have a family or whatever. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much. That is yeah. very, very useful. Sure. Uh, and moving towards your one of the passion, which is music. Um, I can see a lot of things here, actually. <laughs> I was about to like, you know, I would have done some music show with you. Like, <laughs> you will play something for us. But yeah, so uh, moving to your that, actually, anything like specific here? Uh, experience that you remember always uh, when you work in a group uh, in the music group act. Oh man, uh, what so. kind? Get, get, what kind of uh, specific thing are you interested in? There's always I'm stories. Like, actually, <laughs> something that uh, you learned something from it, or like you know, uh, you had the takeaways, uh, like which you always remember for a lifetime or something like that. Um, 
key sometimes you have that click like you know turning point or something like that where well like yeah i think i think it took a while i mean i i was doing the work but it it didn't register until really i when i when i started designing for analytics and i kind of went from being a an employee to just a general product design contractor to i'm going to run a business and and mm-hmm. and that's how i look at it my consultancy is a business that i'm running mm-hmm. um i didn't realize how much uh i needed to to focus on working on the business and in reality what we're talking about here is is a lot of it comes down to learning about marketing and learning mm-hmm. about sales and mm-hmm. all the stuff that is not about doing the design work and the design advising which is the part i know how to do in and out mm-hmm. from my experience but i didn't know how to do that other stuff and i had been doing it with my music career but it didn't click to me just how much the most of the 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 artists and and um and anyone who's running a business especially small businesses entrepreneurs people starting small consultancies mm-hmm. this is true for everybody is that a lot of it is is finding the people who need who have the problem that you help solve or the the thing that you offer it's finding those people is a lot of the time that you will spend if you want to have this kind of career it's not all just doing the work and and so it really clicked to me that that it's that I can put the records out but if the right people don't know that this music is out there and it's for you but I can't find the use out there it doesn't matter And so for me I realized as much as I don't like spending a lot of my time doing marketing and sales for my my group it's like do you hear a tree when it falls in the forest the old and no one's there right it's the same thing if I make a record and no one listens to it doesn't matter anymore well yeah in a way it's like I got my artistic statement down on plastic or now it's mp3s whatever but I got my statement down but I want people to hear it and so I need to do the work to make sure people can hear it. Um so I think it just clicked that I I need to put in especially up front a lot more investment and then over time hopefully the snowball builds and you don't need to spend quite as much time because you now have a reputation, you have expertise, you have whatever that your thing is, you have a mailing list with a few thousand people on it and you know for a small business person like me or in a self-employed person I don't need 50 clients a year to make a living, you know, and they say with artists it's like you need a thousand true fans. If you have a thousand true fans who will spend $50 total a year, which is not a lot for a, a passionate fan, well there's 50 grand in a lot of places that's enough to live on. And so the, the 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 idea here is you don't need the whole world to be your customers. You need to find a niche uh, of people who care about the thing that you do and I know I'm kind of relating this back to the business side of it but my music for me is also a business it's not just a hobby it's not just my passion I want to work as a, this part of my career mm-hmm. uh and so it's so I'm always kind of thinking about the working in it and the working on it and and I don't know that just when I went through all this kind of I t- and I had a coach and 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 I've taken I've read a ton about marketing and sales to learn about these other skills I didn't have I didn't realize how important that was to furthering the mission of the music uh to to getting it out there. So mm-hmm. I know that's that's the thing and and yeah. and it takes some of this stuff takes a long time. I mean people say like, "Oh, I can't find a job and all this." Well, I can tell if you want to know how hard it is not for pity parties sob stories, but like when I moved to Boston and I went to the I joined the musicians union uh because some of the work a lot of people don't know this, but certain kinds of music work 
you're required to be in the union because the union negotiates a collective bargaining agreement with a venue. This is usually true for like ballet, uh, the big orchestras, the big Broadway touring shows, the big national touring acts. And this is to protect the, the, the musicians who back up the stars and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, in order to do that work, you have to join the union. Yeah. And the union is not a job agency. They don't post jobs. They're there to just ensure that good contracts are in place, that the workers, the musicians are protected. And mm-hmm. I, and a lot of people originally, they, they join the union and they're like, like, how do I get gigs, right? It's like, well, no, that's, that's between you and the contractor. The yeah. contractors are the ones that hire the musicians. And I remember when the head of the union at the time, who was also a percussionist, and he plays in the Boston Pops, and he's a friend of mine, and he said, you know, it, this could take, it could take five or ten years. Mm-hmm. Five or ten years, like, because I had just moved to town. It's like two, year 2000 or, I don't know, somewhere 2002 when I joined the union. And that's about how long it took before I got called to finally start playing better work because the the union work is well paid and our our rights are protected well and not all the work i do is union because some of it's not relevant to jazz and some of the smaller types of touring things i do but it took 10 years but i was willing to keep following up and following up and showing up is such you go to the meetings and you follow up with the contractors and every year i send them an email say here's my updated resume. How are you doing? I'm sure you've got a bunch of great talent already, but if you ever need someone that does X, Y, and Z, you know, I'm here. And a lot of times you get no reply to it. I mean, I, I did so much of this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden you're at the right place at the right time. And my friend calls this developing your luck surface area. It's like, was I lucky? Well, yeah, but the, your luck surface area was so much bigger because you had been planting these seeds all over the place. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh crap. Yeah. Actually this guy just, this guy got called for the pops. So he ditched my gig and now I don't have a percussionist. Do you have a white jacket and can you show up at Saturday at eight o'clock and you need to bring these mallets and these drums? Yes, I can. And now your foot's in the door. Well, now it's time to just focus on the doing the work part, which is now I'm just here to play. Well, that's just table stakes, right? Like I already learned how to play the stuff. So now it's time to do the playing part. Now your foot's in the door. Now you're on the list. Now you get called again. And, and I didn't have someone, I didn't have a teacher here that like, you know, that my teacher played in the Boston Symphony. And so, you know, you have this nice, easy route to getting your, your foot in the door. I didn't know anyone when I moved here and it is possible, but it's a relentless amount of follow-up and remembering it's about relationships mm-hmm. and, and trying to be helpful. You know, that's a big part of it is not, I mean, you get these cold, I'm sure you get them on LinkedIn, these cold requests and it's like do you want to buy something do you need a python developer do you know what i mean i get 10 of these they don't even like look at my business they have no idea what i do and they're ready to sell me a team of 10 python developers it's like here's a hammer do you need this hammer i have hammers do you want to hit something with it yeah yeah, yeah. what like do you know my name oh no you didn't even spell my name right do you know like no relationship they're just clearly out to to get something out of me nobody wants to feel that way you Mm -hmm. have to turn that into like How's it going? Like, what's going on with COVID in your business? And like, is your family safe? Yeah, thank you for asking. Like, what's going on with designing for analytics? And how's this? And figure out, have a relationship. No one wants to be sold to, but everybody likes to buy. You know, that's another thing someone told me once, right? And it's so true. Like, it's it's all about relationships. So mm-hmm. try to be helpful. And hopefully that luck will pay itself back. And so, I mean, a lot of my work, I get on calls, free calls, all the time with people just to just to have a meet and greet and to start a relationship mm-hmm. with somebody 
because they're, they don't need to buy something from me to have a relationship like this. You know, it, it starts with you and I, what we're doing now, and we're developing that human connection. And then down the road, maybe you need my help or I need your help or you need a referral or whatever. And it's like, we have our thing now, yeah. you know, Never and, that's, actually, and that's true. Actually, very valid point that you should yeah. have the network, actually proper network. You should have that ability to reach out to the people. Yeah. Uh, it is not about somebody will reach out to you. It is always like when you are seeking something, it is very, very important that how you approach to the people. Yep. And um, one more actually uh, very valid point that you mentioned <clears> is about, you know, um, uh, along with building this network as well, when you say that when somebody has to build your passion, you were looking into the business side of it as well. So yeah, that is true that along the, when you start pursuing your passion, definitely you think about growing in, in a career as well. Sometimes you can convert those passions into your business side or your career growth. So that way you also grown towards your career side that, you know, uh, you want to not mm -hmm. only do it like just as an interest or the passion, I want to get revenue or earn something mm -hmm. out of it. So definitely that is something that everybody goes under, but it is something you have to try it out, how it is going. And after that, you can think about how you want to grow in that particular mm -hmm. area. You can always keep it as your interest. But if you want to convert that into a, a business or your career side, definitely a lot more goes along that journey as well. Sure. It is not When you're doing it for yourself, it is not like you don't care that much. But when you think about earning something out of it, like looking for setting up your own business, lot more things goes actually you know yeah. you will take the criticism how you take that criticism people will not like you always mm -hmm. uh, there will be there are people actually more people to criticize you than appreciate you mm -hmm. so how you take that criticism how you grow in that way as well so if you can convert those criticisms into your favorisms like you know the people start appreciating and liking you sure. those criticizers as well then it is a success actually yeah. so that is very true uh you got to invite that criticism too. Yeah. You got to like, I, yeah. you know, I just put out a seminar. I teach a seminar called designing human centered data products. And I just begging for feedback to get, yeah. I show this to a data scientist, like, Hey, will you take, can you just get on the phone for 15 minutes? I'm not selling you anything. I'd love to get your feedback on this because I, I'm trying to serve people like you, but I, I don't know if this is helping or not. Mm -hmm. I don't want to make this product until I know it's going to help somebody mm -hmm. Most of the time. Like, Eight out of 10 people were saying, I would be happy to do that or follow up in a month. I can't do it right now, but I'd be happy to give you feedback. Most mm -hmm. people are like, wow, this guy values my expertise. I'd be more than happy to help. Mm -hmm. And you just ask for it and you actually invite the criticism. Like if anything, it's like silence is worse than criticism. I mean, I welcome criticism because otherwise I have no idea what's going on. Like I don't want to put stuff out in the world people don't need at least in my design business. In the art thing, it's different because art is about what I want to say. Mm -hmm. Design is about ser serving, yeah, about serving people, others. Yeah, it's yeah. not about what Brian thinks it should be. It's me trying to figure out what others need mm -hmm. through empathy. But I, I think you have to invite that criticism and, and go out of your way to ask for it and learn how to ask questions and, and interview people. And I think these are generally good skills to have. And if you don't know what to say, it's like, well, just ask someone how they're doing. Ask them what's what's challenging in their life. What are they enjoying right now? I mean, it depends on what you want to do. But if you want someone's advice, come to them with really good open-ended questions. You don't, if you're shy, guess what? 
You're supposed to be listening most of the time anyways, not talking. So just come up with some good questions and let them roll. <laughs> they will feel good that you're like saying, I care about you. I want to hear about you just like you're doing with me right now. That's a gift. And you're, it says, I care. I want to hear about you. I, and, and that active listening, it's these skills. I, I, I feel like these are in short supply and they're like kind of common sense things, but especially like in my data work, I, I find more and more that Mm-hmm. The soft skill development that's part of the work of being a designer in teaching design is something that's really highly valued by people coming out of stats and math fields and some of this because it's not taught there. But guess what? It's like nobody really wants to get data science from you. They mm-hmm. don't want analytics from you. Nobody wants that. They want something that comes out of data science that, val- that serves them. I want to know how much to spend on my marketing campaign. Which ads should I stop running? Because mm. and then because I don't want to waste money. I don't care about how you figured it out and mm. how you made the sausage. I just need the sausage. I don't care how it's made. I don't want to know. I don't want to p value is. I don't want to hear about this stuff because it doesn't help me take the next step in my work. So mm. if, when you start looking at it like that, where it's about did I enable decision support? Did I enable this person to get what they needed? It's a, it's an act of serving. It's not about shoveling data science at them because I have a data science hammer or fill in the blank, software engineer, firefighter or whatever. It's like, that's not what it is. It's, it's about saving my life. Do you want some water? Do you want some water? I have high pressure water. I have foam. Yeah. No, I want my house to stop burning. Yeah. I don't want water. I want my house safe and my family safe. Can you help me? Right? The firefighter is not shoveling water at you. He's, he's there to serve you in the sense of saving your life. And if they're not the same thing, they're different. It's one's about an outcome. One is about an output or a, yeah. an activity. activity. We want those outcomes. And, and if you can think about how to help people with that, I think you're going to be far ahead in life and so many different things. Yeah, know. definitely. People are more or inter- interested into the outcome, actually. Like yeah. output, what it is, actually. They are not, oh, yeah. at least they want the progress, like you yeah. know, where they are from like now and then later sometime. Yeah. So there is always some progress is required. Otherwise, you know, mm-hmm. just, you know, <laughs> yeah. if you just stay and you're not giving up anything, so nobody's interested in you. So um, thank you so much for sharing that. Moving towards, um, you worked as an advisor in the expert network and I can see lots of things in you actually as an advisor <laughs> because you mentioned particular points around your passion as well as how when you started looking into the business side as well, you have that capability to convey like, you know, what you are looking exactly. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to the, like, you know, you, you were, when you were working as advisor in the expert network, uh, what is what was it about? Like, you know, how was that experience? Uh, well, that that's more of just an ongoing uh, relationship I have with that one organization. So, when they they have peop, they have uh, companies that pay a membership fee to get their mm-hmm. non biased advice mm-hmm. about analytics, data science, AI stuff that's not biased by companies, oh. right? They wanted to be able to have a network of of advisors in different facets of data science mm-hmm. and analytics who don't come in with Google Cloud on their back or Amazon Web Services with some product to sell because a lot of their client, you know, they have very, very big clients and a lot of them want unbiased advice mm-hmm. where they're not being pitched a service. So I'm just one of, they have many different, and you know, experts. I, I kind of help out obviously in the, in the design and mm-hmm. the user experience part of that. Um, mm-hmm. And then through my own business, part of my work, a lot of my work, because I focus really on strategy and 
kind of upstream work with my clients because that's where design begins and, and the most value I can bring to my clients is, is really upstream. So it's advisory a lot uh, in, in nature. So um, I do audits and, and uh, strategy road mapping sessions. And, and sometimes I'm just retained, uh, which means people are asking for my advice, like, should we do this? Should we do that? What do you think about this? And just having that expertise helps them avoid making costly decisions, you know, that aren't the right or maybe the best choice for them early enough where it can save a lot of money or time. Like, you know, if you've got 300 engineers working on something and it's not the right thing, <laughs> you're spending crazy money and crazy time and you're building baggage, like huge amounts of technical debt and baggage that no one's going to want to change it in six months. The developers aren't going to want to rewrite it. The business doesn't want to hear that it's six months behind and it's the wrong thing. So mm -hmm. this is why this is how design matters is like if it's not what people need, let's find out early before it's too late. Right. So that that's that's a lot of those kind of space I operate in in terms of the advisory uh, type work that I do. That's great. Actually, you are, you have covered like lots of like you touched lots of areas, actually, strategic thinking mm -hmm. plus the auditing and which are like very important towards the business side as well. So I feel sure. like you are on the proper mixture, actually, like, you know, uh, yeah. in your entrepreneurship passion as well along mm -hmm. the journey. So um, moving towards your, uh, you did the volunteering as well, actually, which is like, I feel very, very important. Some of the people don't understand the importance of volunteering, like giving back to the community or doing something which is not only like a financial aspect of it, looking into financial aspect, mm -hmm. doing something to gain the experience and doing the volunteering. So would you like to provide more insights to that actually? Um, sure. I mean, I can tell you my first, my first volunteering that I remember as a kid was with the, the Arizona Humane Society. So we used to go and like down to the Humane Society where the animals are. Mm -hmm. And you know, you're like, it's not always the most exciting work because you're like, cleaning dog cages and but you got to play with the cats and like and that was kind of at an early age you know my, my parents were are, are still big volunteers to this day and and I think they felt like that was a way to like get a, a young kid you know I was probably 10 or 12 or something like that to at least start to get that experience of volunteering and giving back so that's kind of like my early mm -hmm. I don't know my early most memories of that and then the most recent is, is it has to do with this COVID-19 stuff. So as, as you may know, there's, there's a lot of um, hackathons and technology consortiums coming together to try to tackle this from whether it's, uh, you know, maker group, there's a maker group out in Colorado who's, they're making PPE equipment. There are uh, data science and analytics groups that are focused on uh, bringing data and insight to decision makers. So, and so I've kind of been offering to help mentor uh, some of these hackathons and just provide counsel to, uh, you know, to leaders of projects who are building uh, websites or applications. And, and so one of them was uh, of, actually, ironically, <laughs> this is very meta. Uh, uh, I think it's called uh, pandemicvolunteers.org. I, uh -huh. I don't know if that's the domain, uh, uh -huh. but, but I had been advising uh, this guy on, on, and his team on, you know, part of it was just like, first it started out with like the design of the site and was it helping achieve the goals? And then we kind of realized that some of the definitions of the goals didn't align with the way I was perceiving the site. So I'm like, you may want to connect the dots here a little bit more. And then that kind of turned into helping out, helping him out with some strategy differences with his partners. He wanted to go right. They wanted to go left mm -hmm. and they, they were really at an impasse about which way to go. And, and so, you know, my advice to him was not to, to pick a right or left for him, but to help him 
decide how he might decide which is the right decision for him. How do you make the decision? What are the factors that might go into working with these people? And um, what are the, the pros and cons of going right versus left? Uh, and, and just kind of helping him work through that kind of stuff. So um, so that's some of the volunteering I'm doing now is just trying to be available to some of these groups. And there, uh, there's another one called um, the uh, COVID-19 Healthcare Coalition, um, which is run by MITRE, uh, MITRE.org is a big uh, partner in that. So I'm just kind of getting involved with that literally this week to try to figure out what I, I'm just seeing now what they're actually working on. And then is there a way for me to offer some help in that space, uh, particularly probably some dashboard visualization and making sure whoever is supposed to be receiving this dashboard and using it can actually use it to get the information that it was intended to convey. Because some of these get very technical looking, I think, to to certain people. And I mean, even just, ba I had a webinar two weeks ago and even just, you've probably seen, I don't know if you've seen the the, the trend lines here of the infection rates, uh, but sometimes they're on a, on a linear plot on the y-axis and sometimes they're on a logarithmic plot Mm -hmm. uh, which is very different. And uh, so we kind of, you know, a designer had contacted me because the Financial Times had been using the log plot. And if you looked at the, the grid lines on the chart, uh -huh. they were not evenly spaced. It would be, you know, even space. And then there'd be one like this high up and then it would return this way. And uh -huh. he thought it like it made the data story look suspicious, like they were playing around with the data. Uh -huh. And the reality is, is, is the reason it was like that is because they had plotted it you would see like 100, 200, 1,000, 2,000, mm -hmm. 10,000. They were going up 1, 2, 5, 10, uh, 10, 12, 15, 100, 120, 150. And, I, and, and so we had a nice conversation just about like, well, what, what's the right way or what, why might it have been done that way? And this kind of, you know, just having a jam about that and talking out why, why they might have chosen to do it that way. And I kind of lost my train of thought here. I didn't mean to get on this long data visualization uh, thing, but um, we're talking about volunteering, I guess, but, but working out those kinds of things. So what is the right visualization? And it's the, my answer is, well, who is it for? Mm -hmm. The log plot might be right for a Financial Times reader. That might be right because someone reading FT probably trade, they have a portfolio, they probably know this domain well enough that they don't need to see the linear plot and the log plot and they will understand why the curve is like that. Mm -hmm. Whereas maybe someone in the New York Times or I don't know, some other journal, like you need both. You need to show the difference because they're not used to looking at logarithmic plots in their daily life and it's not, mm -hmm. it's not clear, you know? So, so that kind of stuff, just having these, asking them the questions so that they can figure out what mm -hmm. the right answer is, is mm -hmm. that's part of the design process, you know? Yeah, that's great. Actually, if you uh, uh, would like to share the URLs, I would be happy to share with the community as well the COVID nineteen URLs you mentioned, right? Uh, oh, okay, yeah. Visualization ones, or whether it is volunteering one, okay. I would be happy to share with the my network. Okay. So thank you so much for sharing yeah. that and uh, moving towards um, your leadership style. Actually, you are leading actually because you managed to keep your all two passions together. So. Um, what what is kind of your leadership style and any specific leader that you follow? Um, well, you know, I, for example, you know, I don't, I, I did not want to have employees. So the closest thing I, I have to that is, you know, I, I do run mm -hmm. a dual ensemble. And so I have in, in the quintet formation, I have regular, mm -hmm. you know, colleagues that I work with. So in that sense, I, I'm the leader. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, I don't have employees in a team, so I don't really consider myself 
an expert on leadership. And that's always, especially with artists, it's always a fine dance to like, to balance the fact that like, you know, nobody's getting rich doing performing arts, particularly the kind of music that we do in the classical and jazz and world music space. We're not getting rich here. And so you have to balance like everyone's contribution, the time they're putting in to what they're getting paid and all these kinds of things. You know, I, I try to, I try to be very much like this is the direction we're going until we have new information that suggests another way. And so I try to have an open dialogue about that. We actually just, we're starting, I'm starting a new series called Remotely Music uh, mm -hmm. with the Orchestratica, which is our attempt to figure out what do we do as performing artists when we're not together mm -hmm. and we can't do our regular go perform as an ensemble, but we have a, a mailing list and people that we mm -hmm. just kind of prototyped it. We, I threw out an event. We got everyone on. I just basically said, everyone's going to get 10 or 15 minutes. Do a solo thing. Show people your studio. Talk about your instrument. Talk about what you do. It was great. And that was my MVP. Like, will anyone show up? Will it work? Like, and it was great. The, the fans really enjoyed it. And so we're, we're turning that into a series. And I don't know what it's going to be. Like, I have 10 ideas for the next 10 episodes. Maybe we'll turn into a podcast. Planning is important the plan might change. So you have to, there's a difference between planning and, and the plan. So it's good to plan, but just you have to be flexible there. And so my thing with them is like, I don't have all the answers, but this is, this is the way I want to go. Mm -hmm. And we had a meeting today on zoom. We talked about like, what do they want to get out of it? What do I want us to get out of it as a collective group to mm -hmm. make sure that everyone's feeling like fairly treated. My time is being respected. I know what I get out of it. I know what's in it for the group. I know why I were, why am I here? Well, I know now why I'm here. That's, that's my thing. And then it's up to them to make the choice. Do you want to join us or not? Like, and, and that's, I don't know. That's, that's my style is get out early. If it's not right, like figure it out early. If it's not right, because you don't, the more you just drag these things along, it's, it's sunk cause bias. You probably know what that is. You got to, make those decisions as early as possible. Cause when people say, Oh, I don't have time for this. It's like, well, how long did you stay doing the thing that you knew wasn't what you wanted to do just because it was the path of least friction. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to take that forward somewhere else. So, so take the first smallest step to try out the thing you want to do. Mm -hmm. And remember, especially if you're early career, it's not a life sentence. Like your, your job is not, your job is to find out what works for you. And you're not going to know that unless you try a lot of stuff. You don't know if you don't like curry. If you don't ever try curry, you don't really know if you don't like it or not. You got to try and take that first step. And, yeah. and, and, and that's a lot of it is that activation energy. If you can get past the first step. So for me, it's like, guys, I don't know exactly what we're going to do. Let's just schedule the Zoom. I'm going to send an email thing out. We'll see if people show up. Let's try it. And it's, it's rough and it's loose. There's going to be problems, but let's just figure out, do we want to do this? And do they want us to do this? Like, and we prototyped it. All right. It's something. Let's make it something. And maybe we'll shut it down in three. I don't know, but yeah. you have to try it. You know, you can't overly plan it, but you can have a plan, but just, you know, thing over plan. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually, success and failure is not in your hand. Definitely you Every yeah. person tries to get the success. So yeah. it's more or important to putting the right amount of effort and trying and 
you have to have that vision actually to what yeah. you are doing so thank you so much you mentioned couple of things tips actually already that be an explorer work hard or you know manage the time so mm-hmm. anything specific to end this podcast that would like to tell to the audience uh, when they always struggle between you know, uh, or they always are complaining sometimes that this is not working this is not happening in the life or uh, i'm not able to manage my time so anything that you want to end up with like on the positive uh, yeah i mean i think we talked about the man- the managing your time thing but I, I i always challenge people like well have you kept a log of how you spend all your time because chances are there's a place you could make the time so is the time really the issue or is it that you don't really know what you want and i think this gets back to what's that small step i can take towards the thing i want to do try to validate that do you really want to change your career and go be a fireman do you, are you sure or well, what's have you just called a fireman to ask it? What is it like every week for you? Like, just tell me what a Tuesday is like as a fireman. <laughs> like, call them up or walk down and ask them before you say, I'm quitting my job and I'm going to go do this. What's that small step? And chances are, they'll give you an earful about what it's like. It's like, well, we sit around a lot. We cook. We play the cards. And then, you know, like twice a week, we might get called for to go do uh, ambulance work, right? And the guy hasn't mentioned fire yet. And then the next thing you realize, it's like, oh, so 80% of this job is being a first responder for non-fire related stuff. And you're in your head, you're like, I'm going to go battle fires all day. And they're like, yeah, we do that about eight times a year. And so all all of a sudden you realize, wow, is that really what I want to do? Well, I took the first step, like get out early if it's not right. But just, you know, take that first small step. Uh, and figure out, is this what I want to do? And I would say, try a lot of different things if mm-hmm. uh, early, you know, mm-hmm. before you have a, a, a family or you have a mortgage, you have all this stuff. If you're, if you're early in your career, you have so much more flexibility to do mm-hmm. these things before other things start to weigh you down. And trust me, the older you get, the harder it is to make these big life changes. Cause all you can see is the stability and the things that you had. Mm-hmm. And, and, and now it's about losing something to get something else. And, that's loss aversion, which is another whole thing. I mean, you, you can go look that up, but that's a real thing too, the yeah. fear of the loss part. So when you don't have as much to lose early, it's easier, I think, to take those risks. So take advantage of that if you're young. Try a lot of different things. That, that would be my, my biggest advice if you're not finding the passion early. You know, For me, I was lucky. I knew I liked these two major chapters in my life. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, and that was, I just kind of knew this from a long art, but not everyone has that, you know, yeah. so. Yeah, so this is definitely helpful actually that try the things and at least take try to take the tiny steps towards it and then yeah. it just work, working out well for you, then it's like, you know, continue growing in that particular field or if yeah. it doesn't work out, then go for and try something different. Yeah. So definitely mm-hmm. and early the age you try, you will get more actually opportunity to explore more. Um, it is not that it is late in the age like if you try it late in your later in your age but early you try you will get into the better position you can achieve more in your life so thank you so much and it was great talking to you you Uh, too I was just like getting tempted to have some music (laughs) playing around us (laughs) well maybe if we do another one I'll play I'll play some stuff for you (laughs) so thank you so much and uh, audience hope you will also enjoy it so until we meet happy leading and let's live together all right take care so much. Bye. Take care. All right.